Welcome to the St. Clair College Women in STEM Speaker Series Podcast. I'm your host, Sue Taylor, and I am the Program Manager of Innovation, Entrepreneurship, and Student Experience at the Genesis Entrepreneurship Centre, located in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. This podcast was developed to highlight women who have excelled in male-dominated industries and environments, women who are leaders, and women who serve to inspire and act as role models and mentors to young women, which we like to refer to as STEM champions. STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math, and has most recently included Entrepreneurship and Manufacturing. Our goal is to support and foster these women and show that then they can accomplish all they set out to achieve and then some. Stay tuned to learn more about women working in STEM, their journeys, their challenges, their accomplishments, and so much more. This is the Women in STEM Speaker Series Podcast. Okay, well, welcome, everybody, and welcome to you, Chief Pam Mizuno from the Windsor Police Services. We were very happy to have you uh, join us today, and specifically because what that represents to our group. So we thought that would be a great opportunity to uh, just talk to you and show the girls what it's like to, you know, to end up becoming a leader in our community. And so I guess, first off, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got there, where you grew up, schools you went to, what you did, things like that. Okay, well, thanks for having me. First of all, it's quite an honor that you that you pick me, and then I get to go first. That's exciting. I have nobody to follow, which is great because then there's no expectations. <laughs> but I'm uh, I grew up in I was born in Toronto, and I grew up in Peel Region and in, in Bramley in the M section. If anyone's ever familiar with uh, the Brampton area, and from there I moved to Kingston. I spent a year in Kingston. I was actually a head coach of a gymnastics club, so that was. What I was interested in doing, I had been coaching from the time I was probably 12 or 13 and continued on that. I went to Seneca College in East Toronto at the 401 and 404, and I spent two years there taking a coaching techniques course in gymnastics. So that brought me out to um, to Kingston. I decided I would stay local. So I had some opportunities. I could have went to Australia or Texas, but I chose Kingston, Ontario. <laughs> Up being a good thing. And I spent a year out there and decided that I wanted to go back to school. I'd always wanted to obtain a university degree. And I started out in the social work program at the University of Windsor. So uh, it was between Kingston and London and Windsor. And I selected Windsor uh, because they have a very good program here. And um, I knew a couple people in this area. So I thought I'd come here. And, and uh, when I first moved here, it was different, very much different than Kingston and the Toronto area. And uh, I was about two and a half years into my program, and I applied for policing. And I, um, a friend of mine had actually mentioned that she was going to apply for the OPP. And I thought, oh, you know, so it wasn't a career that I'd, you know, I'd always been interested, but I hadn't really seriously considered until she said, well, I'm going to apply for the OPP. And I thought, I don't really want to work for the OPP because at that time with the OPP, they could assign you anywhere. So I could have ended up in Porcupine, Ontario, which I thought I'm not interested. So um, I decided I'd apply local and stay at the Windsor Police Service. Uh, I knew a few people uh, in, you know, on the police force. Um, so I had decided at that point I'd apply and I was very fortunate and I got hired right away. So I'd only completed two and a half years of my degree. So I switched programs and I switched over just to not just, I should never say just, but I achieved a Bachelor of Arts uh, with a focus in psychology and finished my degree while I was working. So that was quite a challenge to be working shift work. 
brand new police officer. I waited a little bit before I went back. And then I also got a certificate from the university as well in organizational communication to um, do that. And so anyway, I never left Windsor. I never thought I'd stay, but I never left. And it was a good choice. And the one thing, so I must say, I must compliment everyone from Windsor. But in this area, it's really interesting that I really find people in Windsor, it's a, a larger community, but it has a very much of a small town feel. And I know there's a number of people I've talked with uh, coming from the Toronto area who feel the same way. You know, in Toronto, you're just another person. You can walk down the street and nobody says hi to you. And, you know, the shopkeepers aren't really as friendly. Whereas I think you have in this community, people take care of each other. And I think that's very evident in some of the things that make our newspaper um so I'm glad that I stayed uh, and I got hired with Windsor Police Service in 1994 as a cadet. And I have been very fortunate throughout my career to move through lots of different areas. So I worked in traffic follow-up. I worked in the provincial asset forfeiture unit. And I was actually the first officer of Windsor assigned to that unit. It was a brand new unit. And it's a joint forces unit. So I worked with other members of police services from all across Ontario. So that was a great learning opportunity for me. Um, in 2011, I worked on our human rights project. I spent three years working on that. So I worked closely with the Human Rights Commission, um, the police college and members of the board and lots of members of the service. And at that time, I was a sergeant. So it was really, really interesting. I was a brand, I think I was promoted to sergeant in 2009. So I had, what would that be? About uh I don't know, 15 years on, 14 years on. And I was working with committees and there were inspectors on committees and staff sergeants on committees and, you know, the commissioner of, of the Human Rights Commission and, and really high up people. So it was a very intimidating role to take on with very little guidance at that time. Um, and I was running four subcommittees made up of, and I think there was probably about at any one point in time, you know, 30 to 40 people. Um, and I was a sergeant. So rank is really important in the police service. So a sergeant really is only one up from a constable. Then we have staff sergeant, inspector, superintendent, deputy chief and chief. So like I say, it was a little bit of an intimidating role to be in. And it took a little bit of um, time to get comfortable with that role because I was leading meetings and I was directing meetings and, and trying to bring the group to a certain point where we could identify initiatives that we were going to work on. And, and you, you have a lot of different people, a lot of type A personalities who have very strong feelings about certain things and to try and narrow a focus down to one thing where, you know, you kind of want it to go is challenging when you're dealing with people of, of higher ranks. So that for me was a, a really great experience to be put in that role uh, again, with with little to no guidance at that point in my career. Um, so that was exciting. So I did that. Um, I was promoted to staff sergeant in 2014, where I moved back to patrol. And I have to say, uh, I got hired as a police officer to be a patrol officer. I love patrol. Um, for me, you know, that's what it's about. It's about helping people and making a difference in the community. So I was excited to go back to patrol as a staff sergeant. And I really enjoyed that position. And I stayed there for about a year. Uh, I moved, you know, to drugs, back to the investigative side of the house, and then again, promoted through the ranks of inspector and superintendent and, and as chief in last year. So it's only been just over a year. So that's my career in about <laughs> five minutes. That was good. That was a good pitch, actually. I feel actually, so it's nice because you've done everything there. So, you know, you're a great choice for that because you've seen all different sides as opposed to somebody just coming in and, you know, working in the, in the drug unit or whatever, just, just being 
and patrol all the time, you know, you, you've seen all different sides of, of the department. So, you know, and you, you have that mindset to think like that. So, and good for you for like the, you know, we, we just did um, a lean in circle. So if you heard about that, so it's about, you know, teaching women to lean in at, at the table instead of sitting back. And so look at you thrown right in, you know, as a sergeant and having to do that, that's, that's amazing. So, mm-hmm. and I was, I was thinking about your, your point to how, about Windsor. And so we always joke that Windsor, it's the biggest small town, like everybody knows everybody. And so, you know, they joke about six degrees of separation, but they, we say in Windsor, it's two degrees of separation because you all within two people, you know, you know, even you and I connecting, knowing all the same people, <laughs> you know, and even if you hadn't met before, you still know all the same people. So what, what did you really want to be when you grew up? You, you said you, you know, just talking to your friend, that that's how you kind of got led to policing. But what did you think you wanted to do? Did you want to be a social worker all the time or? I think I always wanted to help people. I, I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time coaching. So originally that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a gymnastics coach, but I have a lot of interests. So, so for me, you know, the way I grew up and, uh, you know, there may be questions that come along the way, but, um, my mother, what, you know, was a huge um, inspiration and really was for me, you know, I grew up, I could be anything. And that's what they told me. I couldn't be a you know professional football player, but really, you know, uh, there were endless opportunities and I have so many interests. Um, you know, I would, it was hard to choose. I, you know, I could be a teacher, I could be a social worker, but I always leaning sort of in that area of, of um, service. So serving people in one way or the other. Um, and I think what really drew me to policing was the opportunity to number one, not be behind a desk. So I got to be out in the community. I got to be active and working directly one-on-one with people in a way that you're, you're really going to make a difference. And I think that, and and also the opportunities in policing. So as I've said throughout my career, I've had the opportunity to work in lots of different areas. It's like a new job every time you get a transfer. So that was for me exciting because I have all these interests. Um, So through the proceeds, so I'll get back to the one transfer was the proceeds of crime unit. There was a lot of financial aspect to that job and it had to, you know, a little bit of fraud and, you know, seizing assets and, you know, writing production orders. And, and search warrants and learning the legislation. So there was a lot more to it than just um, patrol. And I shouldn't say just patrol, then patrol. It was different than patrol. So, you know, it was like a new job. So right. that's what really attracted me to policing. So we're talking yesterday a little bit. We uh, met and saying, when I said, had you ever envisioned that you would be chief when you signed on as a cadet one day? And you just laugh like, like <laughs> I think you said something like I didn't envision it a few years ago, and yeah, then uh, that's right. But again, that then it just shows to that it will just lead. You never know where where that's going to lead. Like that might not be your intention. So you know, again, these young women in this club, like you think that you might want to do something, but all your experiences in life will lead to something else. So would you say um, patrol was your favorite then, or did you what, what would you say was your kind of where where did your heart lie? Oh, patrol. I think patrol is still my favorite. As much as I learned a lot from the proceeds of crime unit and every other assignment that I've had, uh, patrol is really, you know, the essence of policing. That's, that's what we do. That's our, our number one service to our community. And, and that's where you get to serve the community. So, and it's the most face to face experience for you for sure. Um, and so what would you say was your, your biggest challenge as a, as a female in policing? What do you think that the biggest challenge is there? 
So there's lots of challenges. And, and I think for me, um, I place a lot of high expectations on myself. So, you know, coming into a male dominated field, um, I think that even heightens that even more. So you really, you know, I put a lot of pressure on myself to prove myself, right? Because you kind of feel, you know, as much as policing's changed, and as much as the thoughts about policing, you know, you don't have to be a big giant man to do the job, right? That's changed over time. It's still, it still lingers a little bit. And, and when I got hired, you know, it, the, I always felt like I had to prove myself and whether or not that was putting my, me putting that pressure on myself or whether externally there was some pressure, I'm sure it was maybe a little bit of both, but I think that that was a challenge. Just always showing that you could do the job that you were just as qualified as uh, the next person. But did you feel like you had to work harder than they did to prove like you're always proving yourself to somebody, you know, you had to put in more effort to get there, basically. I think so. Yeah. 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 What percentage of females are in the police force right now as compared to when you started? Because I think things are, you know, where it's evolving and changing. And I see that there's more and more hires on. So. I don't know the exact numbers, but I can say right now we sit at about 18% hovering around there. So that's about 80 females out of uh, a sworn complement of, um, I think we're at about 500 in and around there. Okay. Yes. So, but when I started, um, it was very common and it, it, it was very uncommon, I, you know, to have another woman in the dressing room with me. So it was <laughs> usually only one female on a platoon at one time. There may have been... And I'm probably guessing about 30 women yeah. I was hired. Yeah. So we've more than doubled now, but the numbers are still really low. Would they spread them out between the platoons then back then? Yeah. yeah. Just make sure that it was even. Okay. Yeah. And so as far as we talked a little bit about your kind of things that you did in your, did you have a defining moment in your career? Like something that stood out to you, like an interaction with somebody that where you like, okay, I made the right choice once you got on and we're working. Um, I don't think there was one moment. I think from day one, I really felt uh, like this was the job for me. It just felt right. Uh, I don't think there was any moment. There were moments where there's uncertainty and there, you know, especially when you're done your training and you're brand new officer and you're out on the road by yourself. You know, sometimes uh, it, it's, it can be a little intimidating, but then you, you know, you, you learn to gain some confidence in your skills um, and there's always support. And, you know, as much as the service has been male dominated over the years, uh, you know, a lot of my mentors and the support you're coming from are from male officers because the, there are a number and many, many, many male officers that support female officers. We just support each other. So I have to say there, I wouldn't say there was any one particular moment I think there was a moment when I realized the impact, the small things that we can do and what an impact we have on people was just when I had gone to a call with respect to a, a child custody matter. And we don't typically get involved too deep in those. Uh, we'll attend and, and take a report. But the family had actually written a letter to the service thanking me for, for attending and explaining what an impact I had that day. And I really didn't didn't really do anything. I mean, I, I attended and I spoke to the other party involved in the dispute and it's, it ended up being sorted out um, where the children were returned home. But um, it just really, you know, reminded me what an impact police officers have uh, on the community. That might've been the one and only time they've had contact with a police officer. So we really have to, and I always try and impress upon the newer officers uh, to be mindful of the fact that, you know, our, while we sometimes not downplay, but don't recognize the impact that we have, 
it could be life changing for some people. Absolutely. And again, it's nice when people actually call to to notice something and you're really just doing your job. And in, mm-hmm. in so I know there, there was a saying something about how things that everyone run away from the police are always running to, you know, when there's an emergency, you're going in and everybody's going the other way. And so you talked a little bit about your mom um, being an influencer for you. Um, Is there anybody like uh, within your career, like uh, within the police department that particularly influenced you and uh, or supported you or somebody even when you were younger, maybe from your gymnastics days too, that was uh, somebody that influenced you? There were all you did gymnastics too, because I did gymnastics. As well. I did gymnastics. I did. Uh, well, you know what? One of the uh, one influence was one of actually one of my um, one of my athletes. Oh, so it was very, and I can't remember the exact circumstance, but I I remember that she had said something to me once and reflect on my style of coaching and really, um, you know, because she said it and I kind of thought, really, is that do I do I actually do that? So it caused me to sit down and think about, you know, sort of replay in my mind some of the things that take place in the gym and how I react and how I work with the with the girls. And uh, it really made me reassess sort of how I do things. And that had a, a big impact on me and, and really shows the value, I think, of, of, you know, a little bit of self-assessment and self-reflection and what that'll do and and uh, listening to what other people say. And, and she provided me with some feedback that had influence on me moving forward to take that, you know, when someone says something to you and, and you could see it was very important to her to listen to it and, and reflect. And, and even though, um, and I'll say this to our officers that get 360 feedback is, is to take that feedback and really listen to it. And if someone thinks this about you and has taken the time to provide you with that feedback, you at least owe it uh, to yourself to to look at that feedback and think about it and think about well if they even though whether it's true or not if they're if they took the time out to say that to you you should reflect on them a little bit because if somebody thinks that there's a reason why they're thinking that um, so so what is it that you're doing um, and and can you change to make a difference for other people and somebody else might be thinking that as well if one person's thinking it several people might be thinking it as well That's right. so. It's funny, we were talking a little bit about, my next question was going to be about what hobbies you have. So I know that, you know, have you gone back to the gym? Is gymnastics still a thing for oh, you? Oh, no. <laughs> so what I hobbies are you? I could still do some uh, some skills. Actually, I was at uh, the factory in London. So it's a yeah. huge trampoline park. And I was still able to do a round off back handstand back tuck, if you can believe yeah. it, on the trampoline. Yeah. That's but no, I'll go to the gym and work out, uh, not in these days because of COVID, but I still like to stay active and stay fit. And that's really one of the important things. It's good for mental wellness, I believe, um, and for your overall health. And, you know, I don't have too much time for hobbies these days with my two children. But uh, if I had time to read, I would read all the time. But uh, I do enough reading at work. I can't find the time in, in my spare time anymore. It's hard to do that too, for sure. And do you feel like you are able to balance life and work like with that? Or you, do you still feel like it's like, I'm sure when you first started, now you're getting a little bit more settled into your role. Do you feel like you're able to do that now as opposed yes. to the learning curve isn't skyrocketing quite the same right. as it was, I'm sure. And it ebbs and flows. Some days, you know, um, it, 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 it's always a little bit of a roller coaster, but I do find that, that you know, I find some work-life balance. Yeah, for sure. And so what is a typical day at work like for you? What do you do? 
a lot of meetings. <laughs> a lot of meetings. It's like we're all doing. They're all virtual now, and our technology doesn't work, and our headphones don't work. <laughs> no, there, there are a lot of meetings preparing for, you know, we have a lot on the go right now, um, a lot of different initiatives. So there's a lot of preparation for that. And, yeah, lots of meetings. That's one thing I do, I can oh. say, especially this week. <laughs> now, do you get to get out in the community very much or, like, still do any of that? or Not anymore. You have to attend a lot of events and things normally. Yeah, normally um, there's, you know, networking opportunities with other chiefs across the province. We have zone meetings for our area that I would be attending, um, lots of events in the community. Um, but now it's a lot of meetings. So yeah. we're, we're not attending anything. We're really, um, since March, since COVID really first hit, uh, we've rolled back on everything. Um, yeah. It's really only essential training. Um, anything, you know, that's done in the community is either through social media or some type of virtual platform. Um, but we're not doing any face-to-face -face, uh, as much as we can help it. Yeah, the same thing. The college has been, I know the university is basically all online. So the college, we have a lot of uh, practical portions to a lot of the, you know, the things that they're taking. Like you can't learn electrical from a book. You have to actually do hands-on or, you know, even our esthetician program, same thing. They have to be able to work on people. So we are kind of in a, you know, half and half sort of module, depending on what program they're in. So, which is kind of nice, but again, it's all, it's all distancing and, you know, we've been, we've done well with that. So, so do you have any advice for our uh, young women in our, our STEM club, you know, perhaps something that you could have told 19 year old Pam when she was back in the day, <laughs> The words of wisdom. If I knew then what I know now, oh. I, I could go on for pages. But um, do you have anything that you could look back and tell yourself? Uh, I think you know, there's lots of options open open to you, and and really, you can do anything if you set your mind to it and, and work hard enough. I think it's important to find a mentor, um, you know, someone to help you out. Um, and I really think it's important to have some confidence in your abilities. Um, oftentimes, I think we tend to sell ourselves short. I think women tend to do that. You know, um, you know, have some confidence in, in yourself. Um, there's lots of people out there who who will support you. Sometimes you just have to ask. You know, and I think you know, just because you pursue one avenue doesn't mean you can't switch. You know, I was set on being a gymnastics coach, and and then I thought I was going to be a social worker, and here I am. You know, the chief of police, and and again, as you said, when I signed up back in 1994, I never in my wildest dreams would have thought I would be sitting <laughs> in this chair. That was just not in the realm of possibilities. I wanted to be out on the street, driving a patrol car, turning the lights on, you know, and uh, attending calls, right? So there's so many opportunities and uh, it may take some time, you know, to find the right one, especially in this day and age. I think the world is a different place than it was back in 1994, but just have confidence in yourself. If you set your mind to something and you know, you can achieve it. Oh, it's fantastic advice. Perfect. Thanks. Okay. So we do always do like a little rapid fire at the end, just a little easy questions for you. So what is your current Netflix binge? The crown. The crown. Okay. Mm -hmm. How far into it are you though? Not very. Okay. You just started. Uh, the third episode, I think. <laughs> okay. So you got something to do this weekend. Coffee or tea? Ooh, a little bit of both. I have a tea right now. But it was coffee this morning. <laughs> okay. What about uh, your favorite vacation spot? Should you get to go to one ever again? Well, never been, but I want to rent a beach house on, in California. Oh, wonderful. You, have you been? You've never been to California? I've been to California. Okay. Just but not a beach, beach house. <laughs> oh, love it. So that's where I will be later in my life. Dogs or cats? Uh, can I, can I say neither? You can, absolutely. Neither. <laughs> 
<laughs> and if somebody but, else says I like them. <laughs> I just like to look at them from a distance. That's right. Um, and what about, what did you have for breakfast this morning? That's our final question. Pizza? Don't say just your coffee. My coffee. A pizza. A pizza. That's a breakfast of champions. Come on. That's perfect. That's great. There's nothing better than cold pizza for breakfast. <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to us today. It's been enlightening to get to know you. I think you've, it's been a, you've been a great role model, not only for people in our community, but also for um, our club. So I was very happy to have you. And uh, we really appreciate you coming out today. And it was your story. It's a great story. So thank you so much for sharing. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to the St. Clair College Women in STEM Speaker Series podcast, highlighting women trailblazers who have excelled in male-dominated industries and environments. If you're a St. Clair College student who would like more information on the Women in STEM Club, or you're a woman working in STEM or a leader in your field and are interested in being featured on our podcast or acting as a mentor for one of the incredible young women in our STEM club, you can email us at stem at stclaircollege.ca to sign up. Be sure to connect with us on social media at St. Clair Genesis. For more information on the Genesis Entrepreneurship Centre or for details on our workshops and entrepreneurial resources, you can visit our website at www.stclaircollege.ca slash genesis. If you'd like this episode, please make sure to let us know by leaving a review and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting St. Clair College, the Genesis Entrepreneurship Centre and Women in STEM. Until next time.